What do you treasure about searching for Jesus? The night was October 31st of 2017, and we could feel the cool, crisp air of the fall mixed with the smell of autumn leaves decaying in the front yard. As we readied our kids for trick-or-treating, our youngest, Aaron, was the last to get his costume on, and Eli and Andrew begged us to leave the house and began their quest for candy at the neighbor's house across the street. We agreed on the condition that they wait for us before continuing on to the next house. In our rural Virginia County, we lived in one of the only walkable neighborhoods and people came from all over to trick or treat. And less than a minute had passed from when Eli and Andrew left the front porch when we eventually walked outside. And we found Eli by himself worried because he had lost Andrew in the crowd of people. We would later find out that Andrew threw a rock to distract Eli while he ran on down the block to get more candy. And it was dusk. The sun was quickly setting and Andrew was in a black Batman costume. And suddenly it seemed like there were dozens if not hundreds of people on our street, and we couldn't find our child anywhere, and we yelled, and we screamed his name, Andrew, and neighbors began to help search and look out, and we texted other people that we thought might be trick-or-treating in the neighborhood, and everybody was looking for Andrew, and it was dark all of a sudden, and we truly began to worry, and all the fears of the evil Halloween boogeyman coming to snatch my kid, which were firmly planted in me by my conservative evangelical upbringing, washed over me suddenly, and we searched for what felt like an eternity, and then we made a dreaded call to the sheriff's office to report a missing child. Um, yes, ma'am, we were trick-or-treating, and now our child is missing. Yes, he's a four-year-old boy, and he's wearing a Batman costume. No, ma'am, that's the only description I can give you this evening. His name is Andrew Davis. I mean, it, it was disconcerting. And after a squad car searched the neighborhood with floodlights pointing at all the yards with the children passing by, we eventually located Andrew only two blocks away, happily walking with another group of children from house to house, and Audrey, with tears in her eyes, and we were just all worried, um, you know, Andrew just turns around and goes, hi, mom. <laughs> he was fine. He was happy. He had a great big bag of candy, and he was clueless as to why Audrey and I hugged him with tears in our eyes, as if he thought, why didn't you know I would be out getting candy? It's Halloween. And in today's reading from Luke's gospel, the Holy Family is journeying away from Jerusalem after Passover festivities. About 150,000 to 200,000 people would have been leaving Jerusalem at the same time. And Mary and Joseph were among them, along with their extended family and possibly hundreds of other journeying folks from their village of Nazareth. Because lots of people made a pilgrimage. And so when the scripture says they were with a caravan, it wasn't like they were in a Dodge caravan with seven or eight other people. They were in a caravan, possibly with 100 or 200 or 300 people from Nazareth, which had a population of around 2,000. 
The crowds and throngs had come and celebrated and performed familiar, meaningful religious rituals, recounting the deliverance and grace of God. Like all religious rituals and festivities around Passover, for some, they had likely become rote or even sentimental. But 12-year-old Jesus hung back after all the festivities and said, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a few questions. These past couple of days, I've seen a number of religious services air on TV or stream online. And I don't know about you, but it's just my impression to me, many sadly look like productions that resort to theatrics and smoke machines to communicate simply the reality of God with us. I made myself watch one of these shows for about 20 minutes a day or so ago until I was pleasantly interrupted by a child of my own who also had questions about Christmas candy. In the brief period that I watched this service, I was struck by the demand for certainty that was communicated regarding the stories of Jesus. It was as if they were saying, have faith, but here are all the answers, or we celebrate the great mystery of God coming to earth by presenting you with these irrefutable propositional truth claims. The truth is, I'm glad I was interrupted while watching that one program. I was getting bored anyways. Much of the story of Christmas, of course, is about those who are searching for Jesus. We're in the season of Christmas now where we celebrate Christ's birth and all that it may mean for our world. And even 2,000 years ago, political leaders and religious leaders and mystics were all searching for a Savior or a Messiah. Shepherds searched for Jesus. Zoroastrian priests from the desert plains of Persia searched for him. Herod, the despot puppet ruler, sent troops to search for him and killed innocent children in the process, according to Matthew. Prophets like Zechariah and Anna searched and waited for him. And even the devil, the Gospels say, eventually found Jesus in the wilderness. Was there ever a child born with more people already searching for him or her? Is it any wonder then at some point that Jesus' own family would be searching for him? Our family was once leaving a theme park in Virginia, and a woman ran by us screaming for her child. She had a terrified look on her face, and it was clear that she had lost her little girl, and security came to assist her. And we wandered along with our own children all the way home if they had ever found that little girl. In verse 48 of today's text, the gospel reads, when Mary and Joseph saw Jesus, they were astonished. And Mary said, really chiding her son. Can you imagine chiding Jesus, by the way? It's just a funny thing to think about. Son, why have you done this to us? Have you ever said that to your own kids? I, I've caught myself saying that to our children. Why did you do this? I can't believe it's so stressful. Why would you, you know, run across the street or whatever? You see your father and I have been so worried looking for you. That phrase, 
we've been so worried. It's translated in different ways in different translations. It only appears four times in the whole Greek. In the New Testament, the second half of the Bible was written in Greek. And the only writings that this appears four times, this Greek word, is in the writings of Luke. Three times in Luke's gospel and one time in the book of Acts, which Luke wrote. And in the other instances that Luke uses this word, the word is often translated as torment or suffering or grief. And so it's as if Mary is saying to Jesus, why have you tormented us? Why have you caused this suffering? Why have you caused us this grief? I mean, many of you watching your parents and grandparents think one day, child missing, two days, child missing, three days. I can imagine torment, suffering, grief. I wonder what Mary and Joseph thought when they laid their heads down to rest the first night that Jesus was missing. And the night after that. And what did they find him doing? <laughs> Sitting at the feet of religious teachers, listening and asking them questions. You know, in a lot of the conservative evangelical churches that I grew up in, this passage was often taught as the boy Jesus teaching at the temple. You know, certainty demands teaching. So much so that certainty is imposed on this passage by many who would depict the boy Jesus as teaching at the temple. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says that the 12-year-old Jesus was listening and asking questions. You know, discovery and formation spiritually require listening and asking questions. And even in childhood, it seems to me that the way of Christ was one of discovery and formation, one of listening and asking questions and having a journey and a relationship involved in the task of spiritual growth. It's funny to think that Jesus grew spiritually. But he did. He was a child. And Luke says of this story for the second time in his writing that Mary treasured these things in her heart. I wonder how can a terrifying experience become a treasured story or memory? Metaphorically speaking, this story sounds a lot like my own faith deconstruction. Moving along with the community, dutifully participating in religious ritual, only to one day look around and suddenly find that Jesus is nowhere to be found. And we frantically search for him and may even be angry at him. And we find him and realize he's just sitting at the feet of the religious establishment, asking questions, listening. Every once in a while, answering the questions of others. Or perhaps the Jesus we find in our own searching is not the 12-year-old Jesus, but the one that's the same age we are. Asking more dangerous questions that we ask, because we grew up in our faith just like Jesus did. Maybe this passage foreshadows 
that while it's okay for the 12-year-old Jesus to ask questions, it's quite different for the 33-year-old Jesus to ask questions. Questions. The 33 year old Jesus, of course, asks questions like, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Do you ever read the scriptures? Why are you testing me? All actual questions, by the way, that Jesus asks as a man. The religious establishment, as it turns out, much preferred. 12-year-old Jesus to 33-year-old Jesus. That is the Jesus who empowers women. The Jesus that says, love your enemies and pray for them. The pull your log out of your own eye, Jesus. The, these traditions are rubbish without the inclusive and radical love of God, Jesus. The tear it all down and rebuild it in three days, Jesus. The lay down your life if you want to follow me, Jesus. I wonder if that's part of what Mary treasured in her heart about these events. Treasuring that simpler time when young Jesus's questions were safe ones to ask. Treasuring that time when Jesus was completely lost to her for three days, but finding that no harm had come to him. Treasuring Perhaps the search itself, knowing what the end of the story was. In our own searching for Jesus, we may feel terrified and anxious at times. And that's okay. Many people searching for Jesus, of course, have found him in plenty of other places than church sanctuaries and temple walls. And many of us in this service today realize at this point in life, we may have a better chance of finding Jesus at Oil Can Harry's or in conversation with our Muslim neighbors or under a bridge in Austin than in a church sanctuary. But that search can take its toll. It really can. And as anxiety-inducing as it was, as we think back on it, we now treasure that Halloween story about Andrew and his Batman costume. It makes me wonder on this Sunday after Christmas, just before a new year, what do I treasure about searching for Jesus? And what do I treasure in finding Jesus, even after an anxious and tormenting search? Amen. 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 Thank you, Jonathan. Um, pardon me, just give me a second to get over to my right screen. Invite you now to participate with me in the litany. Um, this is the litany for the first Sunday after Christmas, year C, litany for Christ among us. I'll read all the text and you can respond with me in the bold, aloud is the best and funnest. Here we go. God, in this Christmas season, we turn our hearts and minds to your great love, which is demonstrated, which is demonstrated in the person, in the person of, Christ, of Christ, a powerful force for transformation in the world, available, available and freely given freely to given us all. We echo that loving regard back to you and to one another, one another and, and to our own selves. Aligning ourselves with love 
and love's priorities. Compassion, Compassion kindness, kindness, meekness, meekness humility, humility, patience. patience. Practicing forgiveness, letting, letting peace, peace rule, rule in, our heart. in our hearts. In this way, we build heaven within us, in our, in community, our communities, in our families, in our nations. In our nations. As in his youth, Jesus the Christ followed the call of wisdom. So, so we set aside time and, time energy, and energy for learning for love's, love's way. way. We commit ourselves anew to the path of peace, to our spiritual growth, to the generosity of our hearts, in the cultivation of new life over the world. We give thanks for the example of Christ, for the love and acceptance we receive, for the gifts and blessings of life, and we celebrate the presence, the presence and witness, witness of Christ, Christ among, among us. us. Amen. Thank you again to our guest preacher, Jonathan. We are so happy that you're in our community and sharing your um, hard-won wisdom with us. Thank you so much. And um, thanks for, to everyone who popped on today. Here is your benediction liturgy. We hope you have an excellent um, if you have more time off um, as, the, as the remainder of the holiday season. We wish you rest and peace. Lord, you are ascending God. You sent your word to create. You sent Christ to reveal. You sent your spirit to empower. And you sent your church to proclaim. Send us, O oh God, to renew the earth. Lead us by your spirit and your word. As your people, we now go by our love. We'll make you known. People of God, you are sent. Go in peace for peace. Amen. Amen.